Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'll just refer you to the outline on the back of the bulletin. But just to say to you that, you know, God expects us to bear fruit in our lives. Let me ask you, what is your favorite fruit? Bananas, oranges, peaches, kiwi, what? Grapes. Oh, strawberries are in season right now, right? Who has a strawberry patch? Anybody? So you get them at Kroger's or Walmart, I guess? Listen, I got a neighbor who produces bushels and bushels of strawberries. Usually I get some of those strawberries. I like strawberries. What about peaches? Aren't peaches coming in this sometime later this summer? Huh? Mangoes. Yeah, mangoes. Water, oh, now we're talking. Let me ask you this question. Do you know how many fruits there are in the world that are listed? 2,000. Do you know how many in the Western world we take advantage of? 10%, that's exactly right, 10%. But there are 2,000 fruits. But listen, there are not 2,000 fruits in the Bible. Matter of fact, the word in Galatians, it says, the fruit of the Spirit, it's a Greek word, karpos. It means an energy driven from within. It's also sometimes translated harvest. Most of us in the rural communities, we know what the harvest is. You plant strawberries, and you expect strawberries to grow. You have a peach tree, you expect peaches. You have a watermelon vine, you expect a water. And you know there's something about spiritual fruit that the Bible teaches us? There's a great power in spiritual fruit. And the power of spiritual fruit is simply this, that it's upward because it's based on our relationship with Christ. It is also outward because it displays itself in other ways, whether you're patient, whether you're kind, whether you're faithful, it displays itself. And by the way, you know what? If you go buy a peach tree, that peach tree never yells at you, hey, I'm a peach tree. If you walk through the strawberry patch, strawberries don't say, hey, pick me, I'm a strawberry. If you go buy an apple tree, apple tree doesn't speak to you and say, hey, I'm an apple tree, have an apple, does it? Strawberry vines don't talk, peach trees don't speak, apple trees don't engage you in conversation. You know why? Because they know what they already are by the what they are producing. Because you see apples on an apple tree, strawberries on a vine, and you see peaches on a tree. So this is what God says about his word. It has such a, a power because it has this uh, upward dimension of your relationship to Christ. It has this outward dimension that it displays itself and nobody has to, you don't have to go around saying, hey, do you know I'm faithful and I'm patient and I'm kind and I'm loving? No, you don't have to tell people that any more than a tree has to tell you what kind of fruit's on it. It just kind of comes out. And it also is inward because there is this, what, is it, what does he say? There is this inner peace that comes. He says, but the fruit, the harvest, the inner working, that word translated in the Greek, of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Love of God, love of others, peace with God, peace with others. And he says that is the power of spiritual fruit. So you see, what spiritual fruit is trying to say to the world is that we want to be more like Jesus. We don't need to compare ourselves to others and say, well, I, they're better than me or I'm not... Uh, I don't live up to that standard. No, the whole point of spiritual fruit is to produce to make us look like Jesus in our growth. Another way for growing more like Jesus. And Brian said it, really you could say progression over perfection because none of us are perfect. And the architect told me one time, you've heard me say this before, the process always precedes the product. 
And so the process of going through your life and experience with Christ creates the product of spiritual fruit. And by the way, the word fruit here is not plural. If you hear somebody talking about the, no, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? It means that if you love God, okay, here's your love, your heart for God, your experience is upward, it's outward, it's inward, and over here is your daily life, then you see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, and all those things displayed in your life. And so he says, that is God's challenge for us. So remember the power of spiritual fruit. Now, also, you know, when I look at this, I need to remember the purposes of spiritual fruit. Because you see, God wants to produce in you and me this kind of fruit as a growing Christian in the process. You know, technically, if you were in seminary class, they would tell you this is called sanctification. You've been regenerated. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been bought with a price. God has practiced this substitutionary atonement for you on the cross. And this process of becoming more like Jesus is called sanctification, which simply means you are set apart. How are you set apart? Not because you get to judge the world or you act better than other people. What sets you apart is... As God works in your life and produces spiritual fruit, you will be concerned about the needs of others. You will have a heart for other people. If I meet somebody who says, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but they have no heart for people, no heart for the lost. I know I said the other night, we pray for sick people. Well, what about praying for people who are far from God? You see, that's what the spiritual fruit is meant to do to meet the needs of others. And that way it gets to rep reproduce itself. Matter of fact, I read this is an interesting illustration uh, recently of a teacher who uh, came up with this experiment of, of asking, she gave balloons to all her students and asked them to blow them up to write their name on them, okay? And then once all the students had their balloons blown up and they, she gave them a magic marker and they wrote their names on them, they took them out in the hallway and filled up the hallway right outside her door. Now, she said, I'm going to give you three minutes to go out there and find your balloon with your name on it. And so they were all mixed up. They went out in the hallway, and after three minutes, none of them had found their own balloon. So she said, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you another three minutes. What I want you to do, I want you to just pick up the balloon that's nearest to you, and I want you to take it to the person with their name on it. In two minutes, everyone had their balloon with their name on it. Now, what's the story? The story is this. When you're more concerned about others than yourself, you find the happiness that God is wanting to, to produce in your life. When you're concerned that your spiritual fruit is more about you being something, you being loved, or you being at peace, or you being productive, then you miss the point. You see, spiritual fruit has this purpose that it wants to see us meet the needs of others. And once we do that, God begins to meet our needs. Brian put it in a nice way. God shows his favor to us, not because we are favored above others. He doesn't like you, you or me any better than anybody else just because we're sitting in church any morning. But what he does, he takes that faithfulness that you have and he meets the needs of others. And in that way, spiritual fruit is reproduced in somebody else. Pretty amazing, isn't it? That's why he said, listen, he says a good, when he says the fruit of the spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now watch this. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying others. See, it's not about me. It's about Christ in me. And let me say, you know, I always think, though, sometimes that's hard to do when you live with people, right? I mean, it's hard to just to be thinking about other people instead of yourself. I like Charlie Brown. You know, he said to Lucy, he said, Lucy, he said, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Guess where you get to live out the fruit of the Spirit? In your home, in your marriage, with your kids, in your neighborhood, in your church, in your school. You see, that's where God wants to see himself manifest and to be more like him. So, which leads me to the last thing. Sometimes God has to prune us so that we produce spiritual fruit more than we have in the past. You see, really God's a pruner? Yeah, you got to remember this, that the pruner of spiritual fruit is God. Now, how does he do it? Well, by his word. As I've mentioned before, sometimes you may be reading God's word and it doesn't always jump out at you. I've read through the Bible many times and uh, invariably there are passages that I, you know, I read over and I've read it before. You may have even heard Galatians 5, 22 and 23 before, but all of a sudden something clicks and God says, that message right there, don't you worry about anybody else. That's for you. That's for you. You see, that's how God prunes us sometimes. He takes his word and he applies it to our heart. He makes it real. I had a, friend, I had a preacher friend one time when the Lord called him into the ministry. He said, because uh, he, he grew up in a church where I was pastor and God called him to preach. And he went to school and he came back. He said, one of the troubles I'm having is preaching on tithing and preaching on generosity. And I said, well, don't worry about it. I don't preach on tithing as a legalistic thing. I preach on generosity. But I said, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus didn't come to destroy the Old Testament law. He came to fill it up, to fulfill it, to demonstrate what it really meant. I said, you know, it's going to be hard for you to preach on generosity if you stand before your congregation and you're not very generous. You know, he said, well, maybe so. He called me up about six months later. We went to a restaurant. He said, you know, I've been reading it in the Bible and uh, God has shown me I need to be generous with my time, with my talents, and with my resources. You see, God has a way of making applicable his lessons to us, and he does it through the word, because John 15 says he's the real vine dresser. He's the real vine dresser, and we get to practice what the, what the pruner of the spirit does. Matter of fact, Jesus said, John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. That's pretty interesting, and think about this. He says the father, now what does a gardener do? Well, he cultivates it, but any of you have rose bushes? Yeah, beautiful, aren't they? Beautiful rose bushes. I had this idea when I first moved to Louisville in 1989. We didn't have rose bushes at our house in Bowling Green, so I told Sue and I said, I'm going to the nursery, and I'm gonna buy one rose bush, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna produce some roses. And uh, so I planted this rose bush, 
And I was real proud of myself because I dug it to the right side of the place. I read up about rose bushes and where you plant them and how they grow. And I thought, man, this is pretty exciting. And, uh, and I, you know, I put, uh, put the right dirt around it, potting soil, miracle grow. It began to grow, produce. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody said, well, you need to prune it. You need to prune it back so it'll take off the old and so it'll grow more each year. And so I got me some pruning shears and I sheared it off real good. And that thing kept producing roses. I was so proud of myself of being able to take one thing, because I'm not a gar- I grew up on the farm, but I am not a gardener. That was my dad and my mom. All I got to do is cover the potatoes and go help, you know, harvest the tomatoes or things I didn't like to do as a kid, I'll be honest. But anyway, I grew that rose bush. And I thought in my life since then, I wonder if I could see life from that rose bush, how would I see it? Because what I'm going to tell you is that God not only prunes through his word, sometimes he prunes us through our problems. Because he brings us face to face with the reality of life. And he says, will you really trust me? Will you really step out in faith? Would you really step over that line from unbelief to belief, from doubt to faith? Well, all of a sudden, you have some challenge in your life. And God challenges you to trust him. And he prunes us through our problems. You see, because the reason I said that is because if I could look at life through that rose bush, I guarantee you when I bought that rose bush and I dug it in the ground and I stuck the rose bush in the ground and that rose, that rose bush was thinking, oh my goodness, burying me in the ground. And then about the time it started producing beautiful roses, oh no, he's throwing that old fertilizer. That stuff stinks and he's throwing it all around me. And then not only that, I began to grow and to blossom. I'm talking as the rose now. And here he comes. He says he loves me. He's watered me. He's fertilized me. And now he's pruning me. When he takes those scissors to me, it hurts. But guess what? I bloom more. I produce more. You see, that's the way that God says he uses our lives. So we get to remember the power, the purpose, and the pruner of spiritual fruit so that we can be productive in our spiritual lives. Share a letter with you. It says, Dear Pastor, it didn't come from this church. Obviously, this is not my first church, 50 some years, but I hope that you can help me with some feelings of frustration. I have to admit that when I hear others talk about growing as a Christian, it makes me feel somewhat guilty. They make it sound as if it's so easy, and it's just never been that way for me. Don't get me wrong. I attend church, even go to Bible study occasionally, but I don't see many changes happening in my life. I have a lot of the same struggles for myself I had before I was a Christian. Sometimes I wonder if this even means that I am a Christian. But deep down, I know that isn't true. I guess I'm just tired of letting myself down and certainly letting God down. Do you have any hope for someone who feels like they're never going to get started? If you've ever felt that way, most of us have, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You're not the only one. And one of the keys to breaking through that letter is to understand the role, the power, the purpose and the pruning 
that God brings us through so that he grows us, so that we understand what's happening in life and we make our decision to follow him. Let me invite you, if you would, to stand with me. I want to lead us in a prayer. Reagan, lead us in a song. I'm grateful for this day and for the opportunity we've had to worship here this morning. But I want to tell you something else that's true. In John 15, 16, I kept reading in Gospel of John. In John 15, 16, you know, he said he's the vine, he, he's, the, he's the true vine, he's the gardener. But uh, there's another part of that in John 15. I want to share it with you. I want to lead us in a prayer and we're going to sing. There's someone here this morning and I can pray with you about following Christ or being baptized like Landon and Caitlin have gone before us or somebody. You, you need to have a church family if you're going to grow in Christ because God uses that support system. Maybe someone needs to join this church. Maybe someone um, here today just needs someone to pray with them. Uh, but listen to this. He said, I am the true vine. But then he says in verse 16, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master. Instead, I've called you friends. I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. Now watch this. It's no accident you're here today. Watch this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear what? Fruit. Fruit. Fruit that will last. Wow. That's what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to use our time together to draw us closer to you. God, that we're aware of your presence, that we're mindful that you love us. You love us so deeply that the cross became a reality where God gave his son and Jesus gave his life that we might be more like Christ, not only in eternity, but on our journey now. And I pray that for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Maybe it's a song of prayer, a song of encouragement for you. If there's someone that I can pray with or encourage, I'll be here at the front. I'll put my mask on if that's a concern for you. But I'll turn off my mic and we can pray together. If that's uh, appropriate for you, some decision that you want to make.